Welcome to Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Raffa, and joined with me today is my co-host, Anthony Dana. How are you doing today? Happy New Year. I'm doing fine. Hello, everyone. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, we are in 22. 2022. It's kind of hard to roll off your tongue. Yeah. 2022? 2022. If you say really fast. I can mean, <laughs> it's hard to in a couple of years, we can say back in 22. <laughs> right. That, sound, that sounds like that rolls off your tongue. But, you know, mm-hmm. we've, we're only a couple of days into it yet, so. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, we have sort of a title, right? We have a topic for today. Well, we have a topic. We only <laughs> sometimes come up with our title later. After. After we look at what we did, and then that's when the title comes sometimes. So It emerges. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. So, but it's social psychology is a subject. Right. So, so you want to go with your quote? For I'm going to go with my quote. I love this quote. Oh, I didn't write her name though. Wait. Oh, what was it? Oh, wait. I know her. I think Virginia was it? Virginia uh, Satir. Yes, Virginia Satir. Satir. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is so good. We must not allow other people's limited perceptions to define us. Amen, Virginia. <laughs> my God. That's so um, profound these days. So do you want to offer your interpretation of that? You know, we often wonder, ask, consider, question, inquire, demand, and then some cases depend upon, obsess over how other people perceive us. And we let them define us. We let them define our behavior. Is this okay that I did that? And you know what? If you're a five-year-old or a 10-year-old mm-hmm. or, you know, that's one thing. But when you're a grown-ass man or woman and you're paranoid about everybody else's opinion about you, it's sad. Mm-hmm. It really is sad. I mean, you might... Listen, you can, I mean, I often wonder sometimes if I do something or say something, did that seem crude or did that seem over the top? I mean, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But there are people that I feel like I come across them too care often too that, yeah. Care too much, yeah. So I think it's good to balance between not caring at all what people think because then you can be reckless and just be vigilante, right? Yeah. But caring too much can also be dangerous Mm -hmm. because then you're conforming and trying to be a chameleon and trying to just adopt what other people want you to be, molding you into what you're, you know, you're not your true self, I guess. And often when I would like have conversations with some people about this, you know, fact or this dynamic, and then they go out to the extreme, of course, and then they'd like just act like a total jerk for like, and again, I'm trying to censor myself. I don't know why, but I just am. And uh, because there's a lot of graphic (laughs) detail, but you know, and it's just like, and I'm like, I kind of say, Hey, that was kind of mean spirited or I go, what do you care, man? I, you know, I don't care what people think of me. I'm like, no, okay. I mean, that's fine. So, but then guess what? So my, the extreme version of that is, you know, oh, just say and do whatever you want all the time. Well, no, you know, well, it's not a happy medium. Right. And I always point out that's fine if you want to think that way or behave that way, but there's going to be natural consequences. If you don't care what your boss thinks right. or your spouse thinks or the world thinks, I'm going to go into a job interview dressed a certain way with tattoos. And I mean, you might not get hired then. Well, so we, there might and, be cons- it's obvious that our people are doing this with a chip on their shoulder because they want that reaction and they want you. Well, do you have a problem with that? You know, and it's like, are you wearing that because you're oh, looking for me to have a problem? with that or is this just what you put on a during you know if that's really what you want to wear then okay fine but if you right. keep looking at me for a reaction you know then i'll oblige i guess you know i guess that's the intention behind it is is it for individuality and self-expression and you know or well, is it just for drama i think a lot of people have kind of gone down that road with mm-hmm. a lot of things 
into social media and in just the landscape of today. Oh gosh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. it's like if you are a certain way, if you think a certain way, uh, that's one thing. But if you do it for a reaction or just to piss somebody off, and that's your only motivation or attention seeking, it's yeah, it's how about many, as deep as a mud puddle. You or know? how many likes you get, right? Yeah. So by the way, Virginia Satira, I knew she sounded familiar. She was a psychotherapist. She was a social worker and an author, and she was known for family. Her work with family therapy. Yeah, that was she, and that was a great quote. Yeah. Yes. All right. What's your quote? So my quote, I really like as well. The opposite of courage in our society is not cowardice. It is conformity. Okay. And that is by Rollo May. Okay. It kind of compliments compliments what, what, what Virginia said. So go ahead. Um, elaborate your thoughts on that. So I like this quote because I believe, you know, being courageous is always a good thing. And that's what we teach people in therapy is to try to, you know, face their fears and be courageous. And there's this idea in um, our society that conforming is good, following the math. Is, and that's actually one of the effects, which I won't spoil. But um, <laughs> so, um, you know, it's not really being coward. This it, it, they're saying that it's conformity is the opposite of courage. So basically, I, I think this is a man, Rollo May, is saying that um, that is not being courageous and not speaking out and not speaking your mind and just following the masses and being a sheeple, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, you too often like there are so many times you know when and you know what like I think this gets lost the older you get because I think the I have a lot of students who ask questions and I love it and I love it that they ask questions they either question question me. They question, why did this person do that? Well, why didn't they do this instead? And when you stop thinking that way, well, asking those questions out loud or to yourself or thinking that way, that's not a good thing because you should always be asking yourself these questions about yourself and everybody else. Asking the why and being curious and yeah. not just going along just for the sake of going along or in order to be accepted. If something, you know, you know if there's something that strikes you, I'm not saying question everything the just right. for the sake of, you know, questioning everything. I mean, if there's some things that you honestly understand and get, okay, good. And I think it is being brave and courageous to speak your mind or to ask a question or say, no, I'm not going to do it that way. And, and I, I think that's a way to build uh, confidence and self-esteem because if people, I believe if people conform so much that they're not being true to themselves, then they could get depressed and just not have a voice and then you know maybe they'll, they'll go ballistic one day because they have all that repressed anger let's say mm -hmm. so i like that one all right so for today's show social psychology i have a couple questions for you doctor the first one here what are some examples of how social psychology is relevant in like the world of sales and advertising Right. So we see it everywhere, you know, with different reasons for purchasing things, mostly in the you know, housing industry or car industry or even just sales. So there's the get your foot in the door technique that is effective in getting people to comply with a small request. So getting them to purchase a small item followed by a much larger request. And there is another one called the lowball procedure. Mm -hmm. A very good deal is offered, kind of like something that, you know, sounds really good, but there's something that changes at the end. Hmm. The principle rests on commitment. So this works in automobile sales. So maybe it's a very good deal and then something happens to change the deal. Now, I know this happens definitely in the housing market and my sister Jen probably could attest to this. Jen, you probably would. Something changes after an inspection or there has to be some change where the price goes up. I know it definitely happens in car sales. Well, and they know that, that, that you, you love this, this house or you love this car. Right, your emotions guide you. Right. And then, well, actually, I'm sorry, it's not going to be that price. Actually going to add these costs on at the end closing costs mm -hmm. 
or with cars, you know, you have to add that vacations, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing. Airline tickets. And they add that in like there's hidden costs and incentives, but you're already invested emotionally. So you're like, all right, fine. I will go with that. I like this one. The fast approaching deadline technique. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Limited time offer. You see this all over TV. Right. Limited time (sighs) offer. It's ending today. It's only $9.99. You get these bonus items. There's a scarcity technique. We're going to run out of these. You know, I I, I (laughs) can't stand. That's probably the one I can't stand the most. You know, when they tell you that, I'm like, oh, I guess it kind of sucks to be me then because I, oh, well. It's like the fear of missing out on that product, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, does happen sometimes. Sure. That is true. That is true. You could maybe run out. But really, if they're really selling that many, you think they're not going to get more in stock? Yeah, or, right. or, or just like, you know, bump, you know, at, at midnight, you know, the Cinderella's carriage turns into a pumpkin and, and you, you have to you have to sign before midnight. It's like, yeah, you know, oh, well, I guess, you know, I, you know, and like this I, happens in car sales all the time. Well, like, love, well, it's just this promotion just this month. Well, I mean, yeah, I had um, two cars ago, like when I, I'd like to buy a new car. I have a lot of miles on this one. I'd like to have an upgrade. This car drives fine. So mm-hmm. I don't need another mm-hmm. car. And you know when I when you go in there with that attitude, oh yeah, you're ready to walk out. And they know, and they see that as opposed to you know if you go in there and you're like, oh my god, this car is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know after the test they drive, and, they and they're like, oh you love it, huh? I go, I love it. Yeah. And then you know you have no wiggle room. You know, what are you gonna do? You know, like you have to be stoic. Yeah, have, that's okay. I mean, yeah. you know, it could be. Uh, you know, I really wanted the red one, but you know, this is all you got. <laughs> right, and then you're running out of stock on it, so you feel like you have to get the best deal. And then there's the positive endorsements, you know, by celebrities and by people. Like, this product makes you happy and makes you feel good. It makes you beautiful. Yeah. It makes you, you know, a better version of yourself. So that's been a sales tactic forever. Sure. Even more so with social media probably now. I don't know about you, but when I go on Instagram, there's like tons of like advertising there and I guess on Facebook too. Or before when we were younger, it was like built just billboards and magazines and now it's just in our face everywhere. Yeah. So there's another technique called the door in the face technique. So this is the opposite of the foot in the door. A salesperson will begin by making a large, often unrealistic request. The individual refuses, figuratively slamming the door on the sale. And then the salesperson's, all right, fine. And then they'll make what they really want to ask for is a much smaller request. And people feel obligated to respond to these offers because they already refused the first one. Right. This happens, I, I think, in the legal world with negotiation. Like, if you really want a middle of the road, you go for the gusto and settle for the middle. Right. Unfortunately, there have been some times when I would, in negotiations for different things, I would say to the person, like, listen, how about we just, both of us put our cards on the table. This is what's fair, you know, and when they want to, you know, lowball you mm-hmm. from that with what you're really willing to pay or do or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you don't have any wiggle room. So, so, so really, so, so I'm willing to pay... Uh, for whatever word it is, ten thousand dollars, and you're going to tell me it's going to cost fifteen. So if I would have came in with five, mm-hmm. which I know is a joke, mm-hmm. you know it's a joke, but that's what I had to do. So we have to play games to make it look like you're. Paying and and it's like I don't have time because like to especially have- to buy a car, you know, <laughs> compared to a house. As far as the time and and whatever to go into it, so and again, sometimes for some people, you know, with a budget or so on, it's you know, it could be just so frustrating. Where you, I just spent five hours here and I'm walking out of here without a car because mm-hmm. they are just being, you know, and they and then then they do this to you. I think this is an, I don't know if this is a, this has a title to it, but it's like when you've already invested four hours and you're sitting at the dealership, so you're exhausted. You're exhausted, and you want you don't want those four hours to go for nothing. 
you know what I mean, on your day off and when you have a babysitter for the kids. Well, I think that goes to the emotional aspect. Like you already invested, like maybe it's not exactly the same effect I mentioned before, but like you're already emotionally invested because like I spent this whole day, now I'm walking out of here with nothing. And maybe you're more likely to agree. Like, you know, I don't know if this happens to you, but I've seen it with car negotiations. Like if you, they ask you, what's your number? How much do you want to pay per month? 250. And then they come back with 270. I feel like, I feel like I'm not telling you that. <laughs> I know. And then they were like, well, it's 265. And you're like, no, it's not that you much. You're playing more. poker and you want me to really tell you like what I'm holding? More. No. Yeah, like they they never give you that number. They right. never give you that. Oh, number. they got to talk to the man. It's yeah, kind of like, what was that? What was that, um, that yeah. game show where they had, oh, God. Let's make a deal? No, um, yeah, it was like all the girls and they had like. Price is right? No, no, no. no. They, <laughs> there was only three girls on that show. No, it was like a bunch of girls. It was um, Howie Mandel and. Um, oh, the, the suitcase game? The suitcase. What was yeah. that? Game? Oh, gosh. It was mm-hmm. for like. Two years, it was the biggest thing, and then it went. Yeah. But then they had to go and talk to some guy oh. up in the up in the bleachers <laughs> the and in the shadows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's that's, make a deal. No, it wasn't. Let's make a deal. Somebody, you know, it'll, I'll remember after after we're done recording, of course. Uh, yeah, I never struggle. But anyway, um, but yeah. So and that's just so frustrating. So yeah, I almost feel like sometimes I want to go there just with I and I'll like I'll bring like a you know just like a timer on my phone. I go. I got two two hours. If I don't walk out of here in two hours with something close to a deal, I am leaving in two hours. Mm-hmm. You are not going to, you know, you know. It's like whoever I, gets exhausted first, I guess, throwing a towel, right? Yeah, you know. They want to wear you down, so you're like, fine. I guess. You're not going to hijack my entire day. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I refuse to let you do that. I'm yeah. going to walk out of here, especially mm-hmm. if it's a beautiful day and yeah. it's your day. Oh, God, it's I mean, so frustrating. So, much. so as much as you try to convince yourself you're not going to fall for these traps, you do. There's this one as well, you, the power of reciprocity. When people do you a favor, you probably feel like an almost overwhelming obligation to return the favor. This is known as the norm of reciprocity. It's like a social obligation to do something for someone else because they first did something for you. You know, marketers can use this tendency like they're doing you a favor or a kindness by giving you extra discount. It's I'm only giving you this VIP special discount. I'm throwing in this bonus offer and you feel like they're doing you a favor. So it's this reciprocity kind of thing. So those are techniques that are common, you know, in social psychology that we see day in and day out in advertising and even more so now with, uh, like I said, just the way the Internet is and social media, don't you think? Deal or no deal? Deal or no yeah. deal. Did you say that? I said, let's make a deal. Oh, okay. It was yeah, close. It was close. Okay. Of course you found it. Yeah, and I did, I did look mm-hmm. it up, everybody. It wasn't, okay. yeah. Okay. All right. So are there any well-known experiments with trying to prove a point with the confines of social psychology? Yeah. You want me to talk about them? Yeah. Like what, what are some off the top of your head? What's the experiments and what points do they make? Actually, maybe make it a little easier for me. And uh, do you have a list? Let me see. <laughs> so I don't have yeah. to pull it off the top All right. of my head. Hold on. Give me one second here. Okay. Here's a list. The Milgram experiment. So this one is famous. Stanley Milgram was a psychologist at Yale University, and he did an experiment on famous studies on obedience in psychology. And he came up with this idea after, I guess, in relation to World War II and trying to figure out why the Germans, you know, acquiesced to Nazi influence and killings in World War II. So what this man did was he selected participants, male participants, to participate in this study where he had them sit in one room and he had learners in the other room. So in the other room were people who were supposed to, um, I think they were learning uh, words, like a word, like a word thing. So... (laughs) They, whenever they made a mistake, the men in the other room were supposed to shock them 
for making a mistake. And they were influenced by a man in a gray lab coat, played by an actor, not actually an authority figure. So whenever these individuals made a mistake, this person was supposed to shock them. And it wasn't real that they were being shocked. But on the gauge, it was ranged from slight shock to danger, severe shock. And they were told by the experimenter to, um, you know, shock them. And please continue, requires you to continue. You have no other choice. And then the other person on the other end that was acting like they were getting shocked really acted like they were getting shocked. So you see you're hurting somebody. So you see you're hurting somebody. (laughs) And even though, you know, morally it probably wasn't a good idea, just this man in this lab coat told you to shock this individual for making a mistake by the way even a heinous mistake it was just like I think memorizing word pairs or something yeah you know so that just speaks to how people are likely to follow orders given by an authority figure or even a perceived authority figure yeah i have a hard time with anybody who didn't raise me telling me i don't have a choice you know what i mean like my mm-hmm. my parents or my grandmother can get away with that mm-hmm. uh, anybody else no you know <laughs> you don't have a choice mm-hmm. yeah i'm pretty sure i do mm-hmm. you know I'm, but I, but the, no but some people do just like they get caught up in that the following well that's like kind of relates to our quote like yeah. not you know maybe being brave enough to say no i'm not going to do that that's morally <laughs> wrong and a high percentage of participants you know did like obey because they didn't want to be seen as not listening or you know and then of course they were you know debriefed at the end that they didn't do anything wrong to these individuals yeah, but, but they, they probably still felt like suckers oh i probably um, you know, how could you so not bad. like i mean they probably like thought that prank. well it's they like, did they didn't do anything like wrong but punked. in their own oh, mindset they probably felt like a failure like i can't believe i heard that i would have really hurt this person if this was like just some guy just doing because he just felt like just torturing people and he wanted to use me because he's sick he's a sick <laughs> Uh, you know, guy. Yeah. And it's also, um, you know, deception. And in psychology, when you deceive people, you have to debrief them afterwards. But yeah, like it's, it was very telling, you know, back then. And we don't do experiments like this anymore. Well, not, and again, you know, and, and again, let's go back to, you know, the, the you know, cause that much distress. The Nazis were threatening their own people's lives if they don't mm-hmm. adhere to doing this and doing that. Well, you, you know, know so again, I'm, that's, that's another whole gray area. But, you know, this guy, you know, <laughs> a guy, we had a lab coat. Ooh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he, well, he didn't have a minimal. gun to his head, did he? So, right, you know. something as minimal as a uh, a lab coat, you know, was indicative of some authority figure. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. As opposed to... You know, like a military person or Nazi uniform, or maybe a doctor's. I can find a closet with a white lab coat too. I mean, I, there's. I guess maybe I can, we should start doing that. I'm gonna, yeah, yeah you got a lot of power to do stuff. Yeah, <laughs> walk around a hospital. Let's go in a hospital. Walk around, grab a lab coat, and yeah. Listen, take those over there now. What are you doing? Use your power with your lab coat and my doctor title, and see what I can get away with. <laughs> How about? How about the bystander effect? Right. So this one, I I think we might have mentioned at one point in one of our podcasts. I don't remember. But this one is bystander apathy is decreased. So when an individual is less likely to help somebody else in distress or a crisis situation, if there's a group of people around. If there's a lot of people around, right. Because they want to just kind of like pass the buck on responsibility. Right. So in an emergency situation, this this came up with the Kitty Genovese murders. There were a lot of people standing around. I don't know off the top of my head how many numbers, but they watched her get murdered and nobody did anything because they just had this bystander effect of it's not my responsibility. Right. However, if it was one-on-one, more likely someone would be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, able to call the authorities. So that's kind of this apathy of like, well, it's not my responsibility. So if you're going to have a heart attack, have one in one-on-one, 
<laughs> not in front of a group of people. So is it is it safe to say that there is there's this negative context? I mean, um, you know that Hobbes felt about mankind. Is, uh, just, people are just terrible, mm-hmm. you know. Um, <laughs> right. But they're even worse when they're in a group. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. The mob. Individually, they're terrible. But if you get a group of people thinking thinking the exact same thing, it could be even worse. Like they're just like. Oh, that's like groupthink. Right. Yeah. And it's, there's some, there's a lot of truth to that. Well, that's like the mob mentality when people get together. Right. You know, yeah, let's go get them, P.O. Yeah. It's like... Rallies turn into, you know, you know, heinous, horrible events. And then there's, I mean, that's a different kind of Me Too movement. Like, Me Too, I'm going to join the <laughs> join this mob. You know, yeah, let's get them. And get it's not me, up. so good, you know. And is, it, is, there, is there some... Okay, so... Like cults. Cults are like that. Right? I remember, I don't know where I heard this, but okay, tell me if this is BS or if this has some truth to it. I forget no, where I learned it or I heard it. I'll try Try with my authority. When somebody falls down yeah. and your knee-jerk reaction is to giggle or laugh immediately. Is it? So the people <laughs> who do that. Yeah. Or that the fact that people do that. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm talking about this fall down, but they didn't, you know, like how you check to see if they're okay and then you kind of laugh about it. You're laughing. Or if you don't know the person, you laugh about it because you don't know the person. They look it's, it's far away. And it's like. Like they trip and fall. Yeah. You trip and fall. and Okay. Or you're happy it's not happening to you. You know, mm-hmm. psychologically speaking, like, like, like that's that the, the reason why. I don't know. I don't know where I heard that or not. So, you know, the mob mentality is like, you know, the, the reason why you're going to go out and get this group of people and the reason why you're so pro whatever the cause or whatever the reason or whatever the, you know, is because, well, okay, well, at least it's not happening to me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's sad, but that's, that's, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like um, survival, you know, yeah. Dog eat dog world, you know? Mm-hmm. What did Gloria say on Modern Family? Dog eat dog. Not dog the dog eat dog, dog world. <laughs> yeah. Dog eat dog world. Yes, yes. Anyway. All right. Halo effect. So that's... A bunch of angels, they get together and they turn bad. Mob mentality. The halo effect. And then they become demons. Yeah. I don't think this is a game, right? This isn't... <laughs> there is a game called There's a game called Halo. There is a game called Halo, I think. Is when one trait of a person or thing is used to make an overall judgment of that person. So that's... I think that's used in advertising, you know, a lot, don't you think? Like it's the positive impressions of a person, company, or brand. So that's my thinking about what it is, right? Do you know what that is? So halo effect is? if you drive a certain car, you're successful... If you wear these shoes that, you know, you're a, you're a better athlete than most, maybe, you know, if you're, is that, is that what you're going for? Or is that what they're going for? I think what they, they also are, are meaning is that one person is favored because of something. Maybe it's like a favoritism type of thing. I think it also can be with like attractiveness, like attractive people get treated a certain way, looking at a person like their positive effects. And I guess that's again, used in advertising too. It's like a cognitive bias. Like you don't want to see something negative about that person. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. Zimbardo effect. Z Zimbardo. That's not an effect. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Experiment. Yeah. So that's the Stanford uh, prison experiment. And that's famous where they did this role play and they made it really, I think it was in the sixties. They made it very uh, realistic. Oh no, I'm sorry. 1973 where they had some, Men act like prison guards, Mm -hmm. and they also had people act like prisoners. And what they were studying was to see how the brutality in in prisons were. Was it due to the sadistic personalities of the guards, their disposition, or the prison environment? And they predicted it was the prison environment. So what they found was after even just a few days, they made it very real. They arrested people, you know, they... This was only men? A mock prison. Yeah, of course, 1973. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So... 
they were given diagnostic interviews to kind of rule out any kind of antisocial personality disorder, but they were really into the roles where they started to become mean and sadistic with these prisoners and really act like the roles of being, you know, brutal. So it's, and the prisoners actually, the people that were the prisoners got depressed. Yeah. Because they were treated <laughs> they were, sucks. They were treated terribly. And they, you know, they dressed the part. They definitely How long did this experiment go? Mm, good question. Because I think maybe if they were gonna do this a couple of weeks, you'd have some uh disgruntled uh prisoners that would uh Mm-hmm. you know, start fighting back, maybe a small group at least. Yeah. Especially when they knew it. Hey, hey, Churko, it's an experiment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Stop with the power trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Good question. I don't know if they pulled the plug on it soon, but they had like physical punishment and dehumanization and, you know. Well, and everybody knows they signed up for an experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the second day of the experiment, the prisoners removed their stocking caps, ripped off their numbers, and barricaded themselves. Well, well no, but were there any physical calamities? I mean, like, if if you get a couple of these knuckle-draggers that, like, you know, maybe threw a prisoner mm-hmm. around, or, hey, I'm getting into oh, my role. Did. Yeah, they're in the role. Yeah, well, guess what? Well, look. Well, then, you know what? Probably they, they started rebelling. <laughs> they, they probably, yeah, exactly. Well, these people probably signed a waiver, like, you know, if you end up getting a concussion, you can't, you know, you do can't anything. You, you agreed to this experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a few days, I want to say. Oh, <laughs> wasn't even long. So that people really get into their roles and they had to end the experiment. The experiment was intended to run for two weeks, but on the sixth day it was terminated due to the emotional breakdown of prisoners and excessive aggression of the guards. So basically, you know, (laughs) it proved their, their thesis. Oh yeah. That, um, people really get into the environment. Like they, again, maybe that group think, and they were like really in those roles. They were in a position of authority and it isn't just people being sadistic. It's really that environment. Well, wasn't there that after school special? I remember watching it that was supposed to, there was a teach, it was, it was one of the, oh, what was a teacher that did this? This is based off of a true story that it was inspired by the Holocaust where he said, basically, you know, all the blue eyed people are better. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he would tell his students this. And after, about a week it got to the point where you know all the brown eyed uh, brown haired people were like just getting bullied or being shunned by their friends and and you know yeah they adhere to the stereotypes i gotta look up what that what that was i remember that was um it was an after school yeah it was it was a real event i forget what school what happened uh with where this teacher did it or something yeah so by the way this is showed how readily people will conform to the social roles they are expected to play especially if the roles are strongly stereotyped as those of prison guards so they were in a position of authority you know so it's pretty quick that they were adhering to their social roles you know all right i have two more okay tell me about confirmation bias so confirmation bias is when you have a belief about something so this relates to cognitive behavioral therapy right and I mentioned it before, cherry picking, trying to find evidence to support your belief, Mm -hmm. which can sometimes be a good thing, right? If you're flexible, but this is when you believe something and you only find evidence to support your belief. So it's the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information that confirms your belief. So if you already have this theory or this conclusion about red is the best color in the world, you're going to find all the evidence that red is the best color in the world. So it's basically, it's set to make yourself feel better about your beliefs, that you're not a bad person or that what you feel and what you think is the right way. And I just proved it by research. It's not just how I feel, I can say to somebody in an argument, there's documented proof mm-hmm. 
that you know right backs me up not oh, yeah. also looking 100%. at the other side of the coin right like i tell kids if you're gonna write a research paper and you're gonna tell me washington's the greatest president ever give me reasons why some people might not think that but right. then discover those arguments against your thesis but then you know debunk them or or uh you know right and in philosophy because i majored in psych and philosophy as an undergrad in philosophy we had to do both sides we, and actually what we had to do was our argument a counter argument and then a counter to the counter argument <laughs> right so it really teaches you to think outside the box what i love to do is come up with like certain constitutional law one year first and only year i taught it and i'm like okay like what am i gonna like it's just like i wanted to jazz it up and come up with something that's somewhat interesting for me for them and so i'm gonna be the only person to know see this i'm not gonna you know out you in front of the class are you pro-life or are you pro-choice because some people might not want to really get into that with in front of everybody so are you so basically are you for the death penalty or against death penalty so basically and then i took these people each one individually and and i said to them okay so here's a list of how you answered each question you have to write a paper on the other side mm -hmm, yeah. and you need to pr so you can either be pro-life if you're pro-choice uh, you can be pro-death penalty if you're against death like whatever you can pick whichever category but you got to take the polar opposite mm -hmm. and you need to sell it and you uh, need to sell me that's good. and they're like oh, i can't do that i'm like mm -hmm. That's what I why I want you to do. No, it's good. It. You know, what I mean? outside the box. Yeah, play devil's advocate. Right, right. And they're thinking that they're picking what they like, and actually they're picking what they don't. Well, like. and also if they ever think about maybe going into poli sci, well, okay, so you know, counterintelligence. So if yeah. we are fighting for pro life, what are the pro choicers going to fight at us or argue with? And then we know where they're coming from, mm -hmm. or vice versa. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's why you need to do this. You can't think so biased all the time. And I'm not saying because the other side might have a point by the way they might but also so you see where they're coming from mm -hmm. and then you know you know what's coming at you if you're looking for a debate sure yeah exactly and also just kind of see the other side of it and understand it so it's a cognitive bias that involves favoring information that confirms previously existing beliefs or biases and we do this all the time in our society for all kinds of different oh yeah topics obviously so we people hold true to their beliefs, right? They really do. And in therapy, we do this to a degree about themselves, others in the world, and at least be open to challenging their beliefs about themselves and conclusions that they may come to. So this right. is one that's always there. This is always there. Confirmation bias. Yeah, it's like cherry, yeah, like you said, cherry picking. It is cherry picking. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I used to hate when guys would do that. Like we what, come, cherry picking? Yeah, basketball. Play some defense, you know, mm -hmm. just get on my nerves. All right. Um <laughs> group think. Right. We kind of mentioned this before with our quotes. So groupthink is when people get together and they go with the, you know, way that the, they adhere to the way that the group thinks about something. And they may not speak up about how they feel because the group is, you know, more powerful. They see the group as more powerful. This was when we were, I was looking this up as far as examples go. Challenger Space Shuttle, Disaster and Bay of Pigs invasion. So apparently with the Bay of Pigs invasion, President Kennedy made a decision and the people around him supported it despite their own concerns. So they didn't want to go against the group. They just conformed to the group. So when people get together, they're less likely to speak out individually about what they may think or say, yeah, I really don't, especially with an authority figure, right? Yeah. <clears throat> With someone who's in a who's powerful or in a leadership position or a very persuasive group leader, they're less likely to, um, you know, say something. So it's kind of like peer pressure and they rationalize it despite what they think. They may just, well, she knows what she's talking about. We're just going to go with what the group says. Yeah, and I, don't, I mean, I don't want to. Less wanna, likely. I don't want any friction. Like, I don't want right. to, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, and that's, 
No, that makes sense. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if you're a president or a, you know, a monarch or, you know, a premier's advisor, you know, this is where you might want to say, hey, just so we don't have egg on our face, are these guys really ready to invade Cuba? <laughs> like, I mean, like what's, are, are we really going to give them, you know, air support that they think we're going to give them or, mm -hmm. you know. So this happens in groups. I don't really know exactly, you know, if it matters the size of the group. I'm not sure. If it's like a bigger group, it's, it's obviously probably harder to be more. I'm the only one person that. Right, that, right. Well, I, you know, that. I see that. Jurors, I, I guess. That's yeah, when I watch those decisions. movies with the jurors, and, okay, <laughs> and these people are away from their families. And they're getting pissed at that at one At some juror. motel. <laughs> and there's this one guy, I still think he's innocent. <laughs> and you're like, oh, right. Jed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. And then there's the peer pressure to not conform to the group. And you're exactly that. You're holding up the group. You yeah. really want to get this child. It's like, with, you, know, you know. I mean, we, we keep giving you dirty looks. I mean, they're not working. <laughs> right, right, right. So that's been around for a long time, the group thing. And I'm sure we've been subjected to that. Although I tell you, I'm really not anymore. And <laughs> in my age, I'm not. Well, the older you get, you know, what are they? I mean, the older they get, you get, the more you don't give a flying flip fig, right? So, mm -hmm. and I've heard that many, many times. And mm -hmm. so one thing we, when we were looking into our topic, what came to mind was Mad Men, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, Dom Draper and just that character. I got a couple quotes mm -hmm. from him that I just thought would be somewhat apropos to, you know, social psychology. I mean, advertising is social psychology like well, how I like how he talks about it on the show like the psychology behind you know like the reason for the ad campaign right you know? there were um, a couple shows that that we watched and I was like oh there's so much psychology behind this the way that he talks about it well, about making you happy well yeah you know what you I know, know the exact quote what episode I'm I think talking? it was lucky it was the first episode with lucky strikes and I didn't write that oh one. with the cigarettes I didn't write that one down but that's kind of where we that is it. yeah that is very uh, let me mm -hmm. see what, if I can find that one very quickly I have all the ones here too that are pretty good but let me look up that one something he said and I was like oh my gosh that's social psychology and that or just psychology as well I think that it was to do with cigarettes right but it's about like not making people feel guilty about it well it was something about happiness happy. yeah advertising mm -hmm. is here we go i got it advertising is based on one thing happiness mm -hmm. and you know what happiness is happiness is the smell of a new car it's freedom from fear it's a billboard on the side of the road that screams with reassurance that whatever you're doing it's okay mm -hmm. you are okay mm -hmm. and that's what everybody wants to feel in life that mm -hmm. what I'm doing is okay. I'm a good person. Right. And don't just get you happy, makes you happy. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, again, the anxiety over every little thing and you just want clarity, don't you? I mean, like everybody just wants that. Mm -hmm. Everything I'm doing is okay. I should not feel guilty about anything, any vice that I have in life or whatever. It's okay. I guess I deserve that or I can do that. Well, a product equals happiness that's been in advertising sure. forever and in Mad Men that was, there was a bunch of ones that were specifically for women, you know, like he brought the women in to help with some of those. Well, yeah. His, I remember. Uh, forget the character's name, but his secretary. Uh, Peggy. Peggy, yeah. He mm -hmm. kept asking her opinion, her opinion. Mm -hmm. And then ended up, she ended up making the best of it and getting mm -hmm. a career out of mm -hmm. it. And, you know, there's other quotes that I liked here. If you don't like what's being said, change the conversation. It's yeah. a great one. I like that um, one. That's a good one. You know what? If you're if you're in a room with people who just have an agenda. Or I just, do this all the time. And you're just kind of like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, well, yep. I mean, talk maybe a dinner party or something. And you're mm -hmm. like, you know, you're, you're there to have a good time. And like, you're kind of really, you know, ruining my mood here. Let's. 
uh, I guess you can else. try. It's easier if it's one-on-one. If you're in a group of people, you could steer the conversation. But I think it's also depending on your status in that group. Oh, sure. Right? Sure. Like it's how you, if you command the room or if you have, yeah, right. some you're jurisdiction. extroverted and they care about your opinion. If you're like really mousy, maybe they won't well, listen if, to you. Well, then, if, okay, but okay, so say if you're not that alpha in the room, but you know your room and you know, okay, if I start talking about golf, <laughs> this guy over here is going to go and then, and, okay, and I'm, I don't really want to talk about golf, but at least we're not talking about the subject I don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you cater to your people, your people's ego mm-hmm. and what they like to talk about, most likely themselves and something that they do very well. And oh, then yeah. boom, you know. Absolutely. Right, right. Um, well, that, by the way, that quote reminds me of kind of my quote and your quote, just what we've been talking about today is the groupthink thing and just the conformity. That's an example of nonconformity. I'm going to talk about something else that I want to talk about or leave the room if you know, don't want to hear this conversation, just having some individuality. Well, and conformity, it's very, very difficult to be successful and to conform. Oh, yeah. And another, to, do you mean to not conform? Last Dom Draper quote I want to, I want to bore everybody with is success comes from standing out, not fitting in. And that right there, you know, from standing out spells out you know how conformity can be a dangerous thing for your happiness well i think that um in some situations non-conforming can be seen as a negative as being a rebel as being you know like marching to the beat of your own drummer and this is one thing that i you know i i like to help people to have a voice and have a say and i've taught my child to do this and he had some negative consequences because of it at school and whatever we dealt with it but you know i think it worked out because he has he has a lot of confidence now and it's okay that he likes a different football team or it's okay that he wears different clothes or has different hair or whatever. Right. So. But too often, I mean, with younger people, like meaning kids, you know, like, okay, I'm telling you how I probably would have thought of as a kid. I don't want to just say every kid would feel this way. But like, you know, if you tell me that I'm allowed to speak my mind and if I don't like something, I don't have to do it. Oh, you just gave me like a superpower. Like you just gave me like this weapon that like, you know, no, see, I'm not going to do the essay because I don't feel like it and I don't like to do that and I'm not going to do that. And well, the reason why I curse in class is that's how I express myself and that's okay. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't want to conform to your language that you, where you can't say anything you feel like saying. It's like, it's within reason. Yeah. You know, right? but then you put yeah. in a school. Sure. You and, know? and, and, you know, it's just, that could be trouble, but it could be, but so it has to be channeled properly because sure, sure. kids can take it out of context yeah. and, you know, it doesn't mean you can just, and deep down they know what they're doing. It's just like, you just have to like, okay, here, this is what, you know, I mean, and you know what I mean. Let's just make it painfully clear that we both know what I mean. You know, (laughs) you know what I mean? All right. Yeah. So let's summarize for today. What do we learn today? That when you get a bunch of people together, they can be a real pain, a real nuisance. (laughs) Um, They want to brainwash you to think how they think. And since they have the numbers, you're wrong. So I'd avoid these people. (laughs) Anything that resembles Being by yourself isn't the end of the world. Yeah, being individualistic. Being, being, again, finding those people in your life that's like, listen, I'm going to give you a great example. I didn't start drinking until I was 21. All my friends, you know, growing up... Mm -hmm. They did God knows what, drinking and other things uh, here and there. And we would hang out all the time. And was there peer pressure? Yeah. But they weren't over the top with it. They didn't make me feel like a loser or anything if I didn't, you know, partake in this or that. But we still hung out together. And again, this is rare because I mean, not every every group of kids are going to be, you know, if you can find that group that's like they do this and you don't and they still accept you for who you are, even though you don't have the same, you know, political mindset or religion. And there's a, I mean, zillion other things that you can go into this, but you guys can still see eye to eye because you're friends and you want to hang out with them. They are true friends because they accept you Mm -hmm. for everything that 
you are, you know, and that's not easy to do. It isn't. It's hard to teach kids that, you know, wanting to be accepted and all the bullying that occurs. And even with adults, it's hard to teach them that, that it's okay to have a different opinion and maybe don't hang out with those people if they're going to shun you because of it. Get a new group of friends, you know. So there's all kinds of social psychology that exists in the world as well as, you know, prevalent in advertising and buying a house, buying a car, just be careful with those techniques and kind of look out for them. They don't do these experiments anymore because they're, they're not allowed (laughs) ones that were done back then. They're um, morally unethical, that kind of thing. But you know, social psychology, it's how we behave in, in a group basically and how we behave in a social environment. Right. An interesting um, postscript to my story is, you know, I was always the designated driver. So I think that's why they tolerated my, uh, you served a purpose. Yeah. So it was you to tell it. My sobriety. (laughs) They could rely on you and your loyalty of not drinking. Right. And then you turned 21 and I was out the window. Oh, yeah. There were no Ubers then. No, there were not. Yeah, not like now. You had to pay for a DD. It was free. How nice of you. Well, at least I can, that's the least I can do to my friends. Right. Right. All right. So as always, thanks for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com. Email us if you have any questions, info at innerbalancepsychology.com. And remember to stop it and give yourself a chance.